Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. This is episode number 23, and uh, we thank you all for joining and listening to us. We have a great show for you today, and in the first segment, as always, we're going to talk to the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach Hyde, how are you today? Brian, I'm doing great. I'd say especially with media day this week and spring, uh, you know, not spring, spring practice is gone, fall camp opening up, but the NFL camps have opened up, or most of them. Hey, we're getting really into what you call the football season. It is almost crunch time. And before we get going, we've got a lot to talk about today. I just wanted to thank our sponsor for the first segment of the show. As always, it's Southern California Tickets. You can check them out at sctickets.com or call 1-800-888-7287. Whenever the coach or I need tickets for any kind of sporting events or theater, anything, we call SC Tickets. Go to sctickets.com. Isn't that right, Coach? You're definitely right, and I'll tell you what, with the sellouts, I saw this week that there are only two games left, and they're probably all gone now, with only a 1,000 tickets left, which means SC is sold out probably for the season. So that's absolutely amazing, 92,000 seats, and so someone's going to need to have a ticket agency, so call Southern California Ticket Service, and you won't miss that game you've always wanted to attend. Yeah, that Ohio State game is obviously the big one that everyone's going to want to go to. They actually have close to 94,000 seats now. They added a few few more seats. So, uh, yeah, they, they released a few tickets this, a few days ago, and uh, those went pretty quickly. There's still some for a couple games. But you can uh, go to sctickets.com, and they can hook you up. Uh, Coach, so today we're going to talk about a few different things. In this segment, uh, Pac-10 Media Day is on Thursday. We wanted to talk about that, and I give a little preview. And I'll also talk about a story I wrote uh, on the site yesterday about the class of 2005 and the brotherhood that those guys have. We can uh, touch on that briefly. Second segment, we're going to preview the Washington State game. A lot of people picking Washington State to finish at the bottom of the conference. So we'll uh, we'll preview that and uh, talk about some of our workouts in our third segment. But anyway, Coach, uh, Pac-10 Media Day, when you were a coach, these media days, I mean, is it just kind of a dog and pony show or can you actually get something out of it? Well, I don't know if you get anything out of it as a coach. Uh, you know your opponents and so on. Basically, it's something you have to do. The league requires it. Uh, you look forward to it in a way to see everybody and uh, sort of get together, and you get to travel with your top player, the player you decide to take to media day, and you spend some time with uh, him on the plane or driving over to media day. So it, it, it's good. It's, it's uh it's a way of you have to watch what you say and how you say it and so on so you don't upset anyone. Like a couple of years ago, remember Harbaugh, or last year was it that Harbaugh said that the SC team was the best team in the history of college football. Uh, and then, uh, of course, they talked about that a little bit. So you have to be careful on what you say. You always have to uh, give your opponent uh, its due. Uh, you don't vote on yourself, so people have already somewhat formed their own opinion by the time they go there on how they would put their rankings together, So, as far as how they vote and so on. But I think it's a very good day as far as everyone being able to get together. Yeah, and as uh, far as this, oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. This, 
Well, the socializing just... part, you know what I mean, Ryan? The interviewing availability of coaches and players, the luncheon together. Uh, I think that's really good. Sitting with the different broadcast teams. Uh, I think it's really good uh, sociably. Uh, it's just one of the last things you do, really, before you tape your ankles. Yeah, and uh, this year, USC usually brings an offensive player. That's kind of typically what people bring. There's a quarterback or someone. But this year, they're going to bring linebacker Brian Cushing. So Pete Carroll will be down there uh, with Cushing. Uh, everyone's expecting them to be picked uh, the top of the Pac-10, and uh, all the preseason magazines agree with that. Everyone, Lindsay, Sporting News, Athlon, Phil Steele, they all pick USC number one in the Pac-10. Uh, they also pick USC anywhere from two to four uh, nationally. So that's kind of what we've been talking about this offseason. We figured they'd be two or three, maybe four, but you know, usually no worse than that. We'll see when the, the uh, AP and coaches polls come out a little bit later. Uh, but, Coach, when you go down there, I mean, I guess it's a good chance for a lot of media from across the Pac-10 come in. I guess for USC, it's a little unique because the Pac-10 Media Day is in L.A. They're not taking a plane or there's not really a bond there because they're just driving over uh, to the hotel near the airport. Um, but, you know, what kind of stuff goes on there? Like when you interact with media that maybe you don't get to see all the time, you get to talk to, you know, Pete Carroll, get to talk to beat writers from Arizona or Washington or Oregon, things like that. Well, I, I think it, it's good. It's positive uh, as far as, you know, the writers having the opportunity to talk to Pete Carroll. You know, he's almost untouchable one-on-one. -on -one. And I think that people have that opportunity of going up to Coach and saying, Coach, can I talk to you for a second and so on? And Pete Carroll has always said, yes, sure, I'd be happy, happy to and so on. You have a chance when you go into luncheon, there's a different table for every head coach and the people that travel with him, there's tables for the broadcasting teams of, of I know UCLA and SC who are there, and and I think it's really good. Uh, I, I'll tell you one thing, and and I don't mean to be negative, but I do want to to mention this. You know, this past week, of course, the Mountain West Conference had their media day, the ACC had their media day, uh, the Big Ten has a media three or four days. Uh, it's not a one day thing. Uh, the Southeastern Conference uh, has a three or four day thing on national TV where you can watch each one of these. Uh, coaches talk over and over and over. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch those, Ryan, but it really is interesting to listen to the coaches on uh, on uh, national television on their different uh, different affiliates and so on. I really think that one thing the Pac-10 has to do is improve its public relations and have a bigger type of media day, a longer media day, a more publicized media day, a media day that's carried on a television network where all the coaches are seen speaking, not only here in the West, but nationally as far as exposure for the teams and the players and meeting the players for the East Coast media, not just the Southern California media or the one or two writers that follow the teams from Oregon or Washington or Washington State. I would really like to see the Pac-10 really enhance the media day for college football for the Pac-10. I, I couldn't uh, agree with you more, Coach. I mean, it's really... If you, I mean, there's golf tournaments. There's all kinds of events when you're talking about some of these other conferences. Not even the big conferences, of course. The SEC, they, you know, they bring a couple players down there. Uh, the coaches are. It's like a. I mean, it's a huge, huge event. Like you said, it's on television. They have these golf tournaments. There's all kinds of events outside of what's going on for Pac-10 Media Day. Basically, it's about a half a day at. Uh, I think it's going to be at the Hilton this year. 
um, at, you know, near LAX. And, uh, that's basically it. So you go in there, each coach talks for a couple minutes, gets a couple questions, uh, from the, the entire group. You can eat lunch and then sit at different coaches tables and ask them questions there. And then they'll have some one-on-one rooms and some TV people can do some stuff there, but it's really basically like a half a day worth of events. It's just nowhere near the media hype that's generated from some of the other conferences. I agree, and I think it hurts the Pac-10. I really think it hurts. I think the whole public should be able to listen to the coaches talk. The coaches talk for 15 minutes, then they take a few questions from the audience and so on. There wasn't really a format, and I'm not trying to beat up on it, but they're in the format. Some coaches talk five minutes. Some coaches just sit down and introduce the player they bring with them and say, what's the questions? I think there should be a format of what each coach is expected to talk about and then address the different questions and so on. Like the coach should talk for 10 or 15 minutes just about his program and the rehabs and who the, how the, the new recruits are going to work in and, and give people more of a background and exposure on the programs. And, and you're exactly right. It's a 15 minutes for each coach. Then you go in and have lunch, and, and, you, and the lunch, of course, uh, is quickly done. Uh, the coaches disappear because they've got to get back and catch flights. Uh, back to their schools. Uh, I think it should be a bigger production, and I think it hurts the Pac-10 nationally as far as the national networks having a chance to listen and watch them and their interviews because they don't fly out here from New York. USA Today doesn't come out here from New York. ESPN might be here locally, but not maybe nationally. So, and, and then other networks. So, I really think that they should look at expanding this, making it a bigger event, having maybe a banquet on a, on Wednesday night where everyone socializes, a social hour with the coaches. Uh, and, 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 you know, I've been saying this for the last several years because I really believe the Pac-10 is behind in this as far as the rest of the conferences, like the Southeastern Conference. I mean, They've got media everywhere. They've got literature out already regarding Heisman Trophy candidates. They've got lit- I mean, really. Yeah, and it, it, it's it is. I totally agree with you, Coach. It just seems like uh, the Pac-10, as far as administration-wise, they're just kind of keeping their head in the sand and just and not you know expanding and, and realizing that this is such you know big. There's so much of a big interest out there. They need to get out there and expand and and embrace it. And uh, well, you know, if anyone wants to see Pete Carroll's talk there we will have the video up on uh, uscfootball.com i'll be down there at pac-10 Great. media day so we will put that video up so you can see what uh, pete carroll had to say but I, th- I think the point is coach that you were making you have national media that covers college football and i'm, I'm lucky enough to be friends with a lot of them and i know a lot of them aren't coming out here uh, bruce feldman from espn will be here because we'll be there because he lives you know in manhattan beach it's local but if you're not coming i mean if, if they have a choice of going to some event where they, they can play golf and go to dinners and or just show up at a hotel and, and eat some uh, buffet food and talk to coaches for a few minutes. I just don't think it draws a lot of the national media and they're not going to be talking about the Pac-10 as much as they will be when they, they go to the SEC and it's like, you know, uh, you have some of these coaches, Urban Meyer coming in like, you know, with almost like armed guards. It's just kind of, it's like a whole different ball game there. It is. And not only that, they introduced the different bowls that are there. From the Rose Bowl, we have the president this year. From the Orange Bowl, we have him. From the Las Vegas Bowl, we have them. Because, really, on Thursday, I know these bowl representatives. I'll walk around and talk to all of them. But nobody knows who they are. 
Nobody talks to them about their bowl. Nobody talk. I mean, this should be all a part of the media day and the relations uh, of the Pac-10 and the schools and the coaches with these bowl representatives. But most of them are volunteers, and they take time off to come to media day, and they should be introduced and all this stuff. But you know, we're we're trying to correct something we are not in control of. I'm just trying to say, hey, I would like to have our fans, and you're doing it by putting Pete Carroll on uscfootball.com. But wouldn't it be great to see it all, the whole thing, the whole thing like the Big Ten Network? My gosh, you can watch their press conference two or three times and hear each coach talk in the Southeastern Conference and so on. So I'm saying the Pac-10 has really overcome, but it hurts itself by the way it represents itself and presents itself to the media. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Coach. And we are talking with Coach Harvey Hyde. And if you have any questions for us on the podcast, just email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. And, uh, Coach, yeah, I've talked to a few of the Bull representatives. I think part of the problem is the Bulls that they represent, like, oh, I met someone from the Emerald Bowl. Great. You know, it's not really uh, all that exciting. But they don't really get some kind of introduction there either. And you, you make a good point. They need to embrace that a little bit more. And I think if you do that, maybe you can get some better Bulls to be represented. But they just seem to be complacent about you know how they're perceived in the media and they just seem to kind of trot along and and they don't mind that they're getting left behind and i, I think seriously they the pac-10 as a conference in the national media eyes is getting left behind and i agree with you 100 percent. i'm going down thursday with the representatives from the rose bowl and uh i will take them personally around and introduce them to people ryan of course you'll probably want to meet them too because i want them to, to have their due I want them to meet the people, the coaches and so on, and the broadcast teams and so on, because these people work hard. And the conference receives a lot of money from going to the Rose Bowl. I know the people from the Las Vegas Bowl, obviously, that are there, where UCLA has been and Oregon and so on the last two years. And I'll tell you, they have a good time there. And these people are tied up with the Pac-10, and the Pac-10 should recognize the bowls that they have ties with and introduce the representative that's there and, and have them mingle, and, 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 and it's pretty hard to do in a, like, what is it? It starts at 9, and it's over by 1 after lunch, correct? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my gosh. It's a half it a day. It takes longer to get there than it does to, for the event. Yeah, it's, it, there's there's some issues there. Well, I think it's going to need some changes from the top. Uh, we'll see if, when that comes around if uh, they change how they do things, but they really need to get with the times here. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about another subject real quick, Coach. Um, okay, I don't know if you got the chance to check this out, but I did a piece on uh, called a Trojan Brotherhood. It was basically an article about the class of 2005, and some people were kind of talking about it, you know, uh, on the sidelines when we were uh, watching practices, realizing how many of the guys that are going to be starting or on the two deep are going to get a lot of playing time are from the class of 2005, four years ago. So they would be seniors in 2008, unless they redshirted, they'd be juniors. Um, they signed 19 guys, and they won the Rivals.com you know, uh, national championship of recruiting that year. You know, A bunch of five-star guys. Pretty much everyone else was almost a four-star guy. Um, usually, uh, typically, people are signing around 25 guys, but Pete Carroll's been so uh, you know, meticulous about who they you – know, they're really – stingy about giving scholarship offers out and they're not offering too many people their classes are a little bit smaller but they're really high-end classes they get a lot of talent in there anyway just to kind of wrap this up 19 of the guys that they signed right now five years uh, four years later 15 of them are on the two deep roster uh, pretty much everyone that's still in the program is 
going to start or play a lot, have a lot of playing time. And I talked to Jeremy Crabtree from Rivals, and he was saying that he talks to a lot of coaches, and they say if you can get 10 out of your 25 guys to start or be on the two deep, that's a pretty good class. So, Coach, I'm just just from your perspective, how do you get you know 15 out of 19 guys four years later going to be significant you know players on your team? Well, I tell you, first of all, you certainly did uh, recruit well, and you did uh, forecast well at the, with the type of players that you got in that class. And that, that's a that's a bigger statement than what a lot of people realize, because you know their other classes haven't been bad either. So <laughs> there's been some great players that have come in after that class and challenged these players. And I think what happens when you come in and there's great talent uh, at a university, people challenge themselves to get better. And those people of that class know, the 2005 class know, that if they don't continually improve, then they're going to be beat out from their position. So they have the advantage of getting started earlier. I used to tell my teams after spring practice, when we did spring recruiting, I used to say, guys, I'm going big game hunting. I'm going out spring recruiting, and I'm going to go out and get kids that can beat you out. If you allow that to happen, it's your fault because you're already here. You already know the offense. You know where the weight room is. You get it done. I'm going out, and I'm going to try to find better players because that's the only way our program can get better. So that's what Pete Carroll has been able to do. That's why you have a class from the 2005 where those kids here did that. They went in with Chris Carlisle. They've done what they've had to do, and they've been great players, and they've recruited great players, and they've been pushed by other great players, and now it's their turn. And now it's their time to step up and perform and maybe have that opportunity of playing not on Saturday, but maybe in the future on Sunday. And that's what great programs have. You, you recruit them, you keep them, and you keep them happy, and you have them improve. The worst thing that can happen to you is recruit them and you lose them. Now, sometimes you lose them through the NFL, but you never want to lose a great player through eligibility or a kid being unhappy in transfer or any of that, if he's a great player. You never see great starting players transfer. You see players that think it's easier to transfer and play somewhere else leave. And sometimes that doesn't hurt you, because if a kid doesn't want to compete on Thursday and Wednesday, does he really want to compete on Saturday? So there's a lot of philosophy involved in recruiting and the pushing of players to maintain their position and get better. Yeah, I I think... I mean, you, you hit the nail right on the head. And the, the big point here is that Pete Carroll is getting these five, four or five-star guys, which, you know, sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't. Rivals did a really big story on some of the biggest names from the class on 2005 that just did not pan out whatsoever. And they end up transferring their Division One AA schools, things like that. So it makes it even more remarkable that Pete Carroll signed all these guys from that same class of 2005 and and got the you know he was able to evaluate the talent well enough that he knew the guys he wanted and he brought in the guys that not only had the the five star ranking but also he knew would fit in his program and and work out and it's just amazing how many of them are, are still working out if you look at the top four linebackers coach they're all from the class of two thousand five Ray Malaluga Brian Cushing Kaluka Mayava and Luther Brown all of them are from that same class so you could have three maybe four NFL linebackers from that one recruiting class. And that's exactly great. I'll tell you, because they compete and they do it. And believe me, I want you to know, it isn't always bad for a player that recognizes that he can't compete at this level. They're, they're not bad kids. They just were not evaluated right or overachieved in high school 
it's best for them to transfer and play, like you said, at a one double A school or transfer to another school because every kid wants to play. And it makes the SE program better because you don't have players that are taking a scholarship and they're not happy. They become what we call locker room lawyers. And they're better to have the opportunity to be released, go to another school, graduate, play, and so on, if they're not happy. Now, some players are happy being a backup, and we'll give you 100% on the scout team. And you gave them a scholarship. It's not their fault that you gave them a scholarship and they weren't as good as what they are. That's fine. That's fine. You always have these type of players. But if a player wants to go and he's not happy and he's going to hurt your program, then you want to release him and go and utilize that scholarship for a new player. All right. Well, Coach, that's all the time we have for this segment. Thanks again for sharing your insights with us and talking about Pac-10 Media Day and uh, that class of 2005. And also thank you to our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, 1-800-888-7287. Thanks again, Coach. Thank you very much, and I'll see you tomorrow. All right, and stay tuned. We will come back after the break and talk about the Washington State Cougars. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Abraham, and we have a very special guest. In this segment of the show, we're going to talk to the editorial director of CougZone.com. It's Tony Duarte. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. All right. Well, before we get going, I just wanted to thank our sponsor for this segment. It's the Law Offices of Bart Ring. You can give Bart Ring a call at 1-818-587-9299 or go to his website, Law. Dot com. He's been helping Trojan fans out with law issues for the last 20 years. So if you have any problems with the law or any questions, just give uh, Bart Ring a call. And uh, hopefully, Tony, everything's going okay up there in uh, Cougar land. How, how did uh, Washington State overall look, for? did you think, in the spring? Um, the, in the spring, they uh, it was a little bit, uh, it was kind of uh, hard to tell. You know, you had a lot of guys missing from the normal things of uh, academics and injuries. And then... Uh, you have uh, uh, some guys uh, that are coming back, but they're also uh, uh, playing in a new system that uh, the head coach, the new head coach uh, Paul Wolf, brought with them from Eastern Washington. So, so those guys were getting used to that system. So, it was kind of uh, kind of good for the guys that uh, were not were actually there and not injured or or otherwise detained from spring and. Uh, 
but still, they, it was a learning process for them. Yeah, now Coach Wolf, it was his first spring football. He's uh, never been a Division One A coach. Uh, you know, he had a pretty good record in Division One AA. I, you know, it's funny. Bill Doba was one of the, I think, was one of the most well liked coaches in the Pac-10. Uh, Pac-10 Media Day is on Thursday, and uh, I always liked talking to to Doba when he was down there. He was always so candid and funny. Are a lot of people kind of uh, disappointed that he's not going to be around anymore? Um, I think there's it's kind of a split camp on that one. Um, there's there's people that are not disappointed, <laughs> that's for sure. And I think those people, you know, there's always going to be an element of of, of uh, fans that aren't happy with the the current coach for whatever reason. And so, but in this particular case, I think you know the 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 fans that are not happy to or are happy rather not to see him back. Um, we're kind of getting frustrated with uh, just the the performances in the last years, just not hovering around mediocrity and not quite getting over the hump and back to a bowl game. The last bowl game, you know, uh, was the was a memorable bowl game, the 2003 Holiday Bowl win over Texas. So, uh, you know, a lot of fans have that as their last bowl game memory. So they want they they kind of thought that there was going to be a you know there's going to be a building off that, and then there's going to be another few bowls in the future there in these last uh, two years, and it just hasn't happened. Now, the other people um, are sad to see him go because it's, uh, you know, that was a continuation of the Mike Price regime. Bill Bilba was uh, hired by Mike, and they had a good uh, tenure together, and so uh, the, the thinking was at the time that, you know, there's just going to be a continuation of that success that Mike Price had. So, um, you know, he had a long, uh, good uh, rapport with the athletic department and, and I think with the majority of the fans during his time there. Yeah, I was actually at that game uh, down in San Diego. A friend of mine had got a couple extra tickets. I think she was working for uh, Pacific Life because they were the Holiday Bowl representative. We went down there. It was a really exciting game. It was, uh, But yeah, I, I thought too, I thought Washington State would be able to build off of that and they have not been to a bowl game since. So I think a five-year drought, obviously, some of the fans aren't going to be too happy with that. Yeah, that's the, and I, I think that's pretty much pretty much it in a nutshell. The, the, I think the younger fans in particular are more are the ones that are a little more vociferous and upset about the the recent turn of events because you know they don't have as much history to go back on. Whereas the older fan, you know, they kind of know about the how in the past anyway Cougar football has gone. It's kind of been you know the, a little hit and miss during the the times at least from Price and Walden before him. So. Um, so they're uh, perhaps a little bit more tolerant, but I think in all cases with both sets of fans, there's just, you know, there was still the expectation that there would be a bowl game <laughs> sometime between, uh, 2003 and now. So yeah, but at least one. And, uh, uh, this year, uh, if you look at some of the preseason magazines they're not giving, uh, Washington state a lot of love, uh, there's, you know, kind of near the bottom or at the bottom, uh, did, did coach Wolf kind of give any, indication or you know give any hope for like you know hey this this team really can do better and uh, and not finish at the bottom of the conference this year yeah i don't think uh, when i when i've spoken to him uh in the uh, last few months uh, he hasn't uh, really uh made any indications about you know particular placing uh in the conference or or uh, uh prediction of a record or anything you know like that um i think what he's hoping for um is just uh, for uh Full solid effort from everybody that he's got coming in, um, and that's you know this is a, a, a situation where he's kind of dealt the hand that he has to uh, 
he's been dealt a hand, and so he's to, you know, play that hand. So whatever people he has, he's just got to hope that they're going to, you know, be able to execute his system and uh, and be able to, uh, you know, give the full effort and not, uh, and hopefully, you know, the the normal routine, avoid injuries, and you know, everybody stay healthy. So. Um, I don't, I think that's pretty much the main goal is just everybody do what they're supposed to do and and then let things take care of themselves after that and they'll see if they get some wins out of it. All right. Uh, on the just want to look at the offense a little bit and the offensive side of the ball. Six starters are returning. Uh, quarterback Gary Rogers looks like he's going to be leading the way. What's uh, the overall view of the offense for uh, 2008? Well, it's the like I said, it's the new offense that he's bringing with him from from Eastern, where he's been very successful with that. At the, as you said earlier, at the in the um, in that level, the Division One AA or whatever they call it now, the full um, subdivision, and, some kind of yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it Division One AA. But uh, they, I'm with uh, you. I'm with you. They um, they obviously had success with that system, and it's a no huddle offense, and it's designed, you know, a short passing game. A lot of the uh, is focused on that, and it's uh, just designed to keep the defense off balance. And um, he's, uh, you know, everybody that's coming back is uh, obviously first and foremost going to have to get used to that if they haven't already uh, from the spring and over the summer um, in their uh, voluntary workouts and whatnot. But um, that's going to be the main thing. And then uh, Gary Rogers, um, you know, this will be his first uh, year as the as the guy, as the starter guy. So. Um, he's kind of starting with a clean slate, and behind him is uh, Kevin Lopina, who's the transfer from Kansas State. So he was, uh, I think, he had a hamstring injury last year, so he he didn't, wasn't able to play much, and uh, so he'll have the same sort of uh, be in the same sort of, sort of situation. Because I imagine Rogers will be the starter, and then Lopina will get a lot of playing time as the season progresses. So yeah, with Brink gone, obviously that's a, a whole. Whole lot of offense, but you know, we'll see if uh, Rodgers will be able to adapt to this new system. Uh, the one thing that's really got he's got going for him, uh, Brandon Gibson comes back with uh, almost 1,200 yards receiving last year. Right, and that's the he's the, the you know he's all Pac-10 caliber caliber receiver. He's the big play guy. He's he's yeah he's the main cog there. He's uh, kind of uh, in the Jason Hill role. If you recall Jason Hill from a few years ago, he's kind of I think that. In, in that way for the Cougars, uh, for the offense. Although, you know, he's, this will be a different system now, so he's, uh, it's not going to be the same kind of over-reliance uh, on, like it was on Hill with uh, on Gibson because they'll have uh, Joshua Anderson as well, and he's one of the – he's the deep threat, or he is a, a deep threat anyway, and he's uh, just coming back from um, winning the NCAA title with uh, the 400-meter hurdles. So he's got some speed that – that he showed a little bit last year, but also again, you know, same thing. He'll need, he'll need to learn the new system because he missed all of spring while he was doing track. All right. Well, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting system on offense. So we look forward to uh, seeing that a little bit switching over to defense, uh, eight starters return and eight of the top nine tacklers on the team are back. Um, so, I mean, a lot of, a lot of talents coming back. Uh, I mean, you can say that's good or bad. What are the overall views of the defense for 2008? I think um well the 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 main good news I think is that uh, Matt Mullinex uh on the defensive line got a uh, sixth year of uh, or an extra year of eligibility. He was uh you know that was something that was announced last month and um and he's you know getting him back as an experienced uh, defensive lineman that's played Pac-10 ball that's going to be a big big uh benefit for for the defensive line and um having uh IE Amu down there 
as another experienced uh, defensive lineman that's played Pac-10. He's, you know, that's that's going to be good for them to get because they to get in there and um, you know be in the rotation if not the starters uh, right off the bat because they they recruited a lot of JC transfer guys for the defensive line and those guys I I imagine are going to be playing um, through the course of the season get a lot of uh, minutes but. Um, you know they're JC guys, so they got to get first up to speed during the you know August practices with the system and everything, and then also you know they haven't played Pac-10 ball, so um, so having Molinex back um, for his extra year that that was a big assist, and then um, in the um, the linebacker group it's uh, kind of thin at the at the uh, in depth, but the guys that are the first string guys, Greg Trent and Kendrick Dunn, those guys. Uh, are going to be, uh, you know, solid uh, performers, I think, uh, as seniors, uh, having also seen a lot of Pac-10 play. So anytime you have, I think, seniors who have seen Pac-10 play, uh, that's that can be nothing but good things for your your offense or your defense, whatever side of the ball they're on. All right. And then the last couple of years, uh, just the last point, uh, Cougars have lost a lot of uh, close games, haven't had a lot of breaks go their way, it seems. Uh, five and seven last year. Is there a lot of hope that they can improve on that record this year? Or is it going to be too hard with the transition with a new coach? Yeah, five and seven last year, and six and six the year before, and both so both times. But you know, just on the verge of uh, of the bowl game or being eligible for a bowl game. So <laughs> that goes to speak to the frustration with the fan level. I think that we mentioned earlier. Um, I think uh, again, you know, there's not a going to be a big. Um, a big emphasis on number of wins. I think the thing's going to be the emphasis is going to be first get you know get everybody get on the same page with the system. Hopefully by the time the first game rolls around, but you know that's kind of with when you got a lot of new guys and a, and a new system, you're you know that you, you're kind of expecting that to take time. So I think um, I think um, you know the month of September will be um viewed as um you know as kind of like the uh the guinea pig month where you know every you just kind of see how people are how they respond how they perform and how you know you have a good um mix of opponents in that month you have a couple pack 10 points and you have all the non-conference games in that month so it'll be a good indication by the time they come out of september how they'll be doing in the meat of the pack 10 lineup in uh, october and november so i expect you know that that by the end of September you'll pretty much know where you know what you're going to get with WSU. All right, well, year. okay, we'll be watching them uh, throughout the season and leading up to that game, uh, USC Washington State. Tony Duarte, the editorial director of CougZone.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Ryan. All right, and then uh, stay tuned after the break. We're going to talk to USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Wyke about the uh, summer workouts and how they're winding down. So stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Trojan fans, have legal problems or questions only an attorney can answer? Contact the law offices of Bart Ring. Bart is a proud Trojan alum who has been taking care of the legal needs of the USC family, its alumni and fans, for over 20 years. Like the Trojans under Pete Carroll, Bart and his team achieve successful results for their clients by preparation and outworking the opposition. Call Bart at 818-587-9299 or go to BartRingLaw.com to see if he can help you with your legal issues. Don't forget to mention the Peristyle Podcast for a free consultation. 
Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. Now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the final segment of the Peristyle Podcast. In the segment, we're joined, as we have been the last few podcasts, by uh, Dan Wykey, uscfootball.com beat writer. Dan, I think uh, Gerard's taking a little vacation, so we're not talking recruiting for a few weeks. We're, we've been talking to you a lot. Is that all right? I want to petition to change the name of the final segment of the Parasite Podcast to the Dan Wykey segment. Okay. We could do that. If I get sponsorship for the final segment, anyone out there, if you want to sponsor us, just email podcast at uscfootball.com, and we'll be more than happy to set that up. But, yeah, Dan, we can maybe we can do that for you. Make, and make the checks payable to Dan Wykey. That's W-O-I-K-E. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so, Dan, <laughs> this is a uh, final few workouts coming up. Uh, they're going to work out. USC summer workouts for the rest of the week, and I will be down there a couple of days, and then two days next week, and that's it. And uh, after that, they get a, about a week off, and fall camp gets going. How do you think the the workouts overall have progressed? You know, I think it, it, things are really starting to come together. Um, it's been promising to see the offense kind of kind of get its stride a little bit um, and start to make some plays. I mean, to me, that was the big concern maybe a month ago. Um, in, in these workouts was that, you know, is the defense of that good or is the offense bad? And, you know, I think we're finding out that it was just a matter of timing and just a matter of kind of shaking some of that rust off. You know, the offense is starting to move the ball a little bit. And, and then that's a really good thing. Obviously, the defense is very talented and, and very experienced, and that's going to always make things tough on, on the offense, especially in that kind of setting where, you know, you don't really have the threat of a run where, you know, everybody drops back into coverage and, there's no pass rush and, and all of that stuff. I mean, that, that, I think that tends to, to lean to the defensive advantage. But, but for the most part, I, I really like what I've seen out of the offense. I like what I've seen out of the quarterbacks, um, the receivers. Um, the guy we've both talked about a lot, Trayvon Patterson, has is, is really, really stepped up and been incredibly impressive, I want to say, over the last month. I mean, he's a guy, every time we're down there, you know, he's making a catch, he's making a play. Um, I, I can see him being used in a lot of different ways. So, I'm, you know, it's things are starting to move forward, and, and it's starting to kind of they're starting to build a little bit of momentum um, from talking to the guys. You know, I know that they feel like they're in the home stretch here a little bit, and they're, and they're not letting up, which is which is promising. You know, they know that this is just the very beginning of a really long process that hopefully ends, you know, in January in Miami. Yeah, um, I was actually going through some of the video archives. We we put up a lot of video. If you're not familiar with that, on uscfootball.com. And uh, a lot of the summer workouts were down there, just about everyone uh, filming them and then putting up the video highlights. I was going through some of the highlights of the winter workouts. So these were workouts after the season, but before spring ball started. And uh, just deep ball after deep ball was not connecting. It didn't matter who the receiver was. Now, after spring, and, and things kind of clicked a little bit more, Mark Sanchez has been in there, even Aaron Corp and Mitch Mustaine to a certain degree. They're connecting with deep balls, and most of the time, those deep balls are to Trayvon Patterson. And he dropped, the, I think, the first one they threw to him, and someone made a comment. You could hear it on the video during the summer workouts. That's why we don't throw the ball deep. And uh, ever since then, I mean, pretty much any ball that's uh, 
30 yards down the field or more, Trayvon's been under it and he gets by the defense and uh, makes a play. Yeah, he, he's a really talented kid. Um, you know, he's somebody who isn't very big. Um, I had a really fun time talking to him about that. You know, I mean, he's got that, that classic little man complex where, you know, he knows he's smaller, but, you know, he knows he needs to make up for that with toughness. And he's a guy, you know, I think he likes going down the field, but I think he'd be all right going across the middle working against some linebackers too. I mean, he's going to be a guy who I think is going to be a big part of this offense, especially when you consider his versatility when he can go down the field or he can catch the ball and work against a bigger, slower linebacker, maybe kind of, you know, make a play, make a guy miss, and, and really pick up some positive yardage after the catch. Um, but, yeah, he, he, he's a guy who I think has really been, if, you know, you want to hand out stars, I guess, for, for summer workouts, he gets one. I mean, he's been a guy who's looked, who's looked really good. He's been a guy who's, who's improved. Um, greatly, you know, like you said, you know, drop that first pass. I haven't seen him drop one since. And, and, you know, that's, you like to see that. You like to see a guy make a mistake, adjust, and then not make that same mistake twice. And, and he hasn't done that. All right. We, I think we started a little controversy in uh, Trojan land. Um, you know, we kind of go down to those uh, workouts and we put up video and photos and do little reports on what's been going on, mostly on the peristyle on uscfootball.com. And one of the comments we had made was that Ronald Johnson was there, but not really taking part. And it kind of became this whole Rojo gate and people were getting worried and we we're trying to tell people, <laughs> look, it's not that big of a deal. He's just, you know, he wasn't, he's healthy. Uh, you know, he, not everyone takes reps. You, you let some of the guys, the younger guys get reps and it's really informal and they're, they're having a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully we took, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit in chat, but maybe you want to give people a little bit of update. And he, he was actually catching the ball a little bit uh, on this last workout on Tuesday. Yeah, he took he took a lot of reps on Tuesday. I mean, relative to what he had been doing, um, you know, he he, had, he. I just think certain guys excel in certain situations. You know, I think for him, he's a guy who needs a little bit more structure. He's a guy not because he's lazy or anything like that. I just think he prefers it to be a little bit more serious, and that's okay. I mean, that's not a big deal, especially when you consider this last month or so. It, it, I mean, you've gotten Bryce Butler taking tons of reps. You know, you've gotten DJ DJ Showmate Shoemate. I'm sorry taking a lot of reps as well. I mean, you, Blake Ailes is getting a lot of reps. These are the guys that, I mean, right now who need it more than a guy like Ronald Johnson. I mean, Rojo has is, is been, been around for a year now. He knows the offense. He knows what to do to run, to run the routes. I mean, he's a guy who he doesn't need to be out there, you know, taking 40 reps in, in their workouts. I mean, to me, the time's better spent with the freshman there. I think he, he knows that. And at the same time, you know, I think he's a guy who's ready more for that kind of more structured environment that's going to come with the start of fall camp. I wouldn't worry about it too much. I've been telling people not to worry about it. I don't think he's unhappy. I don't think he's upset. I just think it's some, it's just a personal preference thing. It's, it's something that, you know, guys handle everything differently, and I, I think that's just something that he wants to do. And last year, just to, to let people know, when he came in and was doing these workouts for the first time, like Bryce Butler and, and DJ Shoemate are doing now, he was in on almost every rep. It's, I mean, I had so many pictures and so much video of him. He just would jump the line and try to get as many plays as possible. And uh, some workouts are a little different this year. They're not doing as many kind of throwing lines and one-on-ones. It's a lot of just do the 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11. 11 11. Um, it's a little different structure because they're not doing in the afternoons anymore when, when guys are kind of a little fresher. They're doing them in the mornings right after a really grueling full team, like 45 minute conditioning workout. So it's a time when the the coaches are there for those workouts and they're pushing them really hard. Then they get to bring the balls out and kind of do things on their own. So there is, you know, 
they they take it seriously, but there's also a kind of a time to goof around a little bit and practice some MMA moves or whatever they want to do and, and have some fun. Or, yeah. or, 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 get, or get chased down by Will Harris's dog. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's plenty there's plenty of, of weird things I guess that go on, and it's just something I think you know I I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's something where he's fine, he's not unhappy. Um, you know, from talking to him, he hasn't told me he's unhappy or anything like that. You know, I, he's healthy. I think he's just ready for the start of camp. Yeah. All right. And then uh, one last topic I want to talk to you about, Dan. Pac-10 Media Day. Your first Pac-10 Media Day is I'm so excited. coming up tomorrow. Now, have you been to, like, the Big Ten Media Days or other uh, conferences? Yeah, I've been to Big Ten Media Days multiple times. Okay, but not so. the SEC one. No, I didn't. I actually didn't go to the SEC one. Okay, the, the SEC one apparently is a huge dog and pony show in several days. I think yeah. uh, we we talked about this in the first segment with Harvey Hyde, uh, and the disappointment of Pac-10 Media Days, where you don't get as many national guys coming out. It's literally like a half a day kind of thing, and it's there's no golf tournament. There's no there's there's really no pomp and circumstance about it. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get your impression on the podcast next week after Pac-10 Media Day, but what are your kind of expectations going in for your first one? You know, I mean, I would imagine that it would be well attended. <laughs> that would be my first thing. I mean, I, you know, I don't really know about the, the national presence at something like that. I think, you know, for me, it's it's a chance to get to get a, a better glimpse of some of the coaches in the conference, some of their personalities, and, and to really kind of feel like, you know, I mean, everybody's going to say they're excited about their team. I mean, that's just, I mean, Show me coach is going to go in there and be like, we've got a ton of problems. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like I don't, I don't think anybody's going to do that. No. You know, I mean that, and if they did, that'd be a huge story. But, but you know, I think it's just a chance, really, for for the media to kind of get your first glimpse and and like kind of almost start their engines a little bit. I mean, we've been going at it for you know months now, but but you know, a lot of guys, you know, this is the this is really kind of like the kickoff for football season, and it's a chance to kind of get your. You're just general impressions, I guess, of guys and of teams. You know, it's exciting to see all those players there. I mean, that's 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 a cool part for me is to see you know some of the best players in the conference all get together and and you know and to kind of to hear what they have to say and to see you know how different their personalities are. You know, I mean, Brian Cushing's one way. You know, Patrick Sean might be a totally different way. You know, I don't know if he's going or not or, or Jarius Bird or somebody like that. I mean. Who knows what they're going to be like, you know? And I think that's I think that's interesting. That's what I always enjoyed about covering the Big Ten media days was that you get the different personalities of the coaches, um, a lot of them who have you know just huge personalities, and then you also get you know the different personalities in the players, and, and and I enjoy that. I think a lot of the coaches you're going to find. I mean, a lot of them just kind of towed the company line. Uh, I talked in the last segment to Tony Duarte from CougZone.com about Bill Double. He's one of my favorite coaches. He was just so funny and and outgoing and just would talk about anything up there. So he was fun for the media. Uh, I don't think the fans liked that he hasn't been to a bowl game for, for a while, but uh, we, we, you know, you can hear the last segment and uh, talk about that. But a, a guy like Jim Harbaugh comes in and doesn't uh, just say what you know, everyone expects him to say. He comes in last year and says, USC is the greatest team in the history of the universe or something like that. And uh, it made national news like that got him noticed. And then obviously him, Beating USC was a was another way that got him those. But I think he, he yeah. came in and tried to make a splash there, and I think it, he took a risk. It could have kind of blown up in his face, but it you know the, the risk I don't think was major because if he got killed by USC, they expected it. You know, and he told everyone that USC was the greatest team ever. So, um, but maybe it, it I don't know if it shows like you know USC is the greatest team ever. 
we stink and we when we beat USC. So maybe I don't know what that means about what his you know prediction skills were. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like you said, it's an opportunity for some guys. You know, there there are certain guys who who use the opportunity and, and they're a little refreshing. I mean, a guy who I used to love seeing at Big Ten Media Days, uh, specifically basketball media days, was Purdue head coach Gene Cady. Was a guy who I loved talking to because he was like that. He was like he was an older guy and he was just kind of he just didn't care anymore about what people thought or he was going to tell you exactly what he thought to any question. The question wasn't that well thought out. He was, he was going to tell you you're kind of stupid. Too. <laughs> luckily, luckily I dodged that bullet. Nice. He, d- he does look part. like a guy that doesn't care if you like. He's kind of like dumpy, like horrible comb over. Like yeah, he's like ah, whatever. I've been it, through enough. That, that, Come over to school or it's, it's wonderful. But, but you know, I mean, and, and you're right. It, it's something like where a lot of it, like my expectations, I'm not expecting anybody to, to you know, unveil a cure for cancer or, you know, say we've got the plan and, and this is exactly what's going to happen and or anything like that. You know, you're not going to hear anything like that. And there's going to be no super huge news that comes out of it. But it's fun because it just kind of re-energizes everybody. And, and it's one of those things that's sort of like, you know, if there's a pass to the college football season, media days is a big stop along that path for, for whatever reason. I mean, they've become such a big, like you said, you know, the SC media day happens over two days. It's like a fan experience. You know, I mean, the media's on there for essentially like three or four days because they're golfing with the coaches. and It's on and TV and stuff. everything, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's a circus, you know, I mean. You might as well put three rings around the hotel and, and just, you know, get a clown car or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, all of a sudden you got Urban Meyer driving a clown car with, like, six other SEC coaches in the backseat. Like, that would be fun to watch. But, like, you know, for the most part, to me it's just kind of, you know, it's a big show. Um, I like that the Pac-10 is a little more understated in it. And, you know, it's going to be there. Guys are going to come out. Gonna, reporters are going to answer questions. They're going to get the job done. They're going to have a chance to – sit and talk to some of these guys one-on-one, which is always nice. I mean, that's those opportunities for people in the media. I mean, those opportunities are, are, are rare, I guess, when you get a chance to have everybody in a room and you really get to have personal conversations with people and, and you really get a chance to kind of take an interview the way you want to do it. And, and that's nice. And I look forward to taking, taking advantage of some of that stuff. All right. Well, Dan Wykey, the uh, terrific new beat writer for uscfootball.com. Thank you for joining us again. And we will, uh, Get your reaction next week or what you think about Pac-10 Media Day. Thank you for showering me with compliments. I appreciate it. No problem. Just so everyone knows, uh, Dan and I went golfing the other day, and Dan's a better golfer than me, but I ended up chipping in from about 40 yards out on the 18th hole to tie him. So that was, uh, I don't want to talk about uh, it. That was a glorious you, day. You, you uh, didn't even tie me yet. At that point, I just had to two-putt. Oh, yeah. And then he three-putted for the tie. I did have two birdies, yeah. and he did not have any. So that was uh, I was pretty happy about that. But anyway, Dan, All thanks right, again thank for joining us, and we'll uh, we won't update anyone else on the the golf status unless I win. So that's that's cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for uh, thank you for throwing that in there, Dan. All right, everyone else, thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of the Peristyle Podcast. It was episode number twenty three. We'll be back next week with uh, more updates on the Trojans, and we'll have reaction from Pac Ten Media Day. So stay tuned for that. Listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.